shine bright and it would be shining still but they all started turning on each other mm-hmm. you see the poets thought the dancers were shallow and the soldiers thought the poets were weak and the elders saw the young ones as foolish and the rich man never heard the poor One by one they ran away with their made-up minds to leave it all behind and the light began to fade in the city on the hill the city on the hill each one thought that they knew better but they were different by design Instead of standing strong together, they let their differences divide. And one by one, they ran away with their made-up minds to leave it all behind. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. 
<laughs> we're going to call everyone in from the cafe, and we're going to start our morning off together. Did everyone have a good week? Yes? I see some thumbs up. Oh, back from Germany, waiting to see the pictures. Awesome. That's going to be great. Well, we are glad everyone is here. If you want to all stand, we are going to start our worship service together. Can you guys say this together with me? Let's all stand together. And uh, can you repeat after me? Say, ain't nothing going to steal my joy. Ain't nothing going to steal my joy. Right? All right, amen. Let's begin. There's revival and it's spreading like a wildfire in my heart. Sunday morning, hallelujah, and it's lasting all week long. Can you hear it? Can you feel it? It's the rhythm of a gospel song. Oh, once you choose it, you can't lose it. Cause there ain't nothing, there ain't nothing gonna steal my joy. I got a door church choir singing in my soul. I got a sweet salvation and it's beautiful. I got a heart overflowing and a perfect door. There ain't nothing gonna steal my joy. Oh, there ain't nothing gonna steal my joy. When the valleys that going to steal my joy. There you go. <laughs> Prayer. Guys, bow with me. 
Lord, thank you for this time together. Thank you for the joy that you restore in our lives and our souls and, and just the ability to be able to worship today. We're thankful for uh, to be able to come together um, in your house and, and worship you, Lord. It is, it is a joy. Uh, I pray you be with the rest of this service, be with all the elements, and, and just enjoy for us to enjoy this time together together. It's in your name we pray. Amen. If you take a moment and please reach out, uh, grab someone, say hi, greet someone. That's good. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. You can be seated. This is God's house on God's day in God's world. And uh, good to be together for it. You ever had a loaded baked potato? Just got tons on it. You've got a loaded Sunday morning handout this morning. Take that out and uh, there's a beige connection card. That's our weekly opportunity to share prayer requests on one side, and then, especially these days, updated contact information. If you're a regular part of the church and you don't think that we have your up-to-date mailing address or cell phone number or email address, uh, jot that on there, and that'll help us update that directory. And if you're brand new with us today, you're a guest that we hope come back. Anything that you can give us that we can get in touch with you and fill you in on what's happening around here, that would be great. And keep that connection card handy because I have a couple of other ways you can use that here in the next few minutes. This week, it's here, what? Vacation Bible School, VBS. You've got an invite card in that uh, Sunday morning handout. That's to give to somebody in the next 48 hours because it's not too late. Uh, Kelly went walking in the neighborhood last night and handed out about six or eight of those invite cards to kids. And uh, we're hoping they'll come Tuesday. You do the same. If you're uh, working, uh, serving at VBS, you've got a quick meeting with Tracy Summerall, our children's ministry director back in the children's chapel right after service. So make a beeline back there. That'll be your opportunity to pick some stuff up, ask any questions. And if you didn't get an email from her about that, let her know. She may not have your accurate email address either. So... Kelly's going to be praying over VBS here later in the service. We're expecting a great week. Looking forward to it. And to top it all off, uh, our second movie night of the summer is this Friday. Uh, all those kids and families that come to VBS will be invited to that. Bring your Kleenex because the movie is Homeward Bound, a classic. Oh, my goodness. 
Next Sunday, we've got special uh, speakers, retired missionaries John and Sandy Cunningham. You'll enjoy them. They spoke in Gaithersburg, Maryland, and uh, they're coming with about 30 others that are up at Golden Bell doing some work. We're going to have a lunch afterwards, all provided for you, for anyone that would be interested in being on a team around here to jumpstart some world mission stuff at WLC. So if you want to do that, put your name on that Connect card and how many would be coming for lunch, and we'll feed you and uh, have a great meeting together. So details of that are in your Sunday morning handout. Uh, Third thing. Two weeks from today, following the service, we're going to have a congregational meeting looking at our church name around here. Uh, We've got about three or four or five or six different names floating around on various signs, and uh, we're going to have a meeting about that. You'll get a letter about that this week. So that's two weeks from today, congregational meeting at the end of the service on August 7th. We've got a video. You guys ready? Cue it up, and here we go. One minute long. Colorado District Family Camp. Here's a glimpse. Coming up in about six weeks. Golden Bell Camp. That looks good. I recognize that guy. You guys are so fortunate to live just 15, 20 minutes from the epicenter of so much uh, district life. And that looks like a great weekend. In your uh, Sunday morning handout as well, you've got a a full-page, two-sided color insert with all the details about family camp housing and all that's going on. And uh, we're going to encourage you to plug in for the whole weekend, maybe go up for a day. And uh, here's news. This is not in your Sunday morning handout. We are not going to meet here that Sunday morning. We're all going to go up to family camp for Sunday morning, September 4th and enjoy the worship and preaching there and time with our district family. So uh, we'll put that in print to remind you, but that's uh, a weekend we're looking forward to. One last thing, it's great to have our district superintendent and his wife, Dr. Virgil Askren and Judy here, and I'm going to have them stand. And uh, you guys welcome them, would you? Right up here on the front row. Dr. Astrin in a beautiful melon color shirt this morning. I think that looks outstanding. And really are looking forward to his message and uh, love these guys. Celebrating, as you noted in your Sunday morning handout, maybe a year as district superintendent here at Colorado District. And uh, just a privilege to have you. Tim Park is going to come and join me here on the platform. Uh, we had a great testimony from Mike McNally last week, and uh, Tim Parkey says, I'd like to give a testimony, and uh, we're going to let him do that, and let's uh, just welcome him to the platform this morning, right? Good morning. Can you hear me okay? 
Well, it's kind of cool that Lori had us sing, Nothing's Going to Steal Our Joy. And the Lord had me this morning want to share this scripture with you. James 2 says, Consider it all joy, brethren, when you encounter various trials and tribulations, because you know that the testing of your faith will bring about perseverance. And when perseverance has had its perfect work, you will be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The news was bad. They called it cancer. It started out a simple biopsy, and it turned into five biopsies and two surgeries. The last surgery to cover up what they had taken out was eight inches long on my head. They couldn't figure out what kind of cancer it was, but they could say that, oh, it's very rare. And sitting there hearing that news, very rare means, you know, you may be taking a dirt nap. So it's kind of scary. But anyway, from that point on, we went up to uh, uh, UC Health because we were dealing with doctors in Colorado Springs. And after they had looked at us and then sent us to doctors in Colorado Springs and back and forth, they said there was going to need to be a massive surgery on top of that, taking off the whole back of my head, coming around to the front, and then removing 50 lymph nodes. And so we came up to the night before, and I told Kelly I didn't want to scare away women and small children because I was afraid how bad I would look when they got done with me. But the night before the surgery, a panel of doctors had met. And we didn't know at the time, but two of the doctors said, no, that's not the way we're supposed to go. And so they called the surgery off the next morning. And it was about two weeks later. Uh, they still didn't really know what the name of this cancer is or was. And... They, they couldn't even come up with a plan of how to attack it because they didn't know what they were dealing with. Well, anyway, by the way, they still don't, all, still to this day, but they did start me on immunotherapy. So we'll jump forward to my fifth immunotherapy. I started my first one in January 24th, but I came to my fifth immunotherapy one every 21 days. And they, they said, you should be responding a lot better than what you are. And we're a little worried, so we're going to go ahead and schedule you a surgery, and we're going to schedule uh, radiation. And I said, well, you don't understand. I think I'm getting better. And they said, well, we know you think you're getting better, but you're not. And I tried to argue with them, but they wouldn't listen. So six days later... After seeing a surgeon, we saw the radiation doctor. She looked at my scalp for two seconds, and she said, we're not doing surgery. And we're not doing radiation. We're going to keep doing the immunotherapy because it's working. Glory be to God. Consider it joy. And so what I want to say is six days and, and they're saying, this thing has changed totally. 
And so I want to tell you now that uh, uh, I've had my seventh immunotherapy. The last two, they're amazed. They were like, oh, my gosh, we can't believe. But during this whole process, when we were scared after death, and many of you prayed for us, and many of you, uh, there was, there's ladies here that worked on prayer blankets, uh, a, prayer, a prayer blanket. But then there was another one that the ladies in a church, a Nazarene church in Joplin, Missouri, made, and I got them the same week, both blankets. And by the way, I cover myself up with them. When I'm watching a little TV in the evening and I get cold, I just wrap myself in them. So anyway, I just want to give God the glory and God the praise. And isn't it fitting that we said, ain't nothing going to steal our joy? I'm just here to tell you, we do need to consider it all joy when we counter various trials and tribulations. And was our faith tested? Absolutely. But during that time when it was the darkest, the Lord was kind. And he whispered in my ear, Tim, I've got this. And I testified that to the people that were praying with me on the phone at the time, even though that wasn't what I felt. But the Lord said, don't worry, I got this. And so I just want to leave you with that testimony. You may be going through a dark time. You may be struggling, but he's got this. Thank you, Tim. It's great when God does great things for us, and he's always with us and always working, and it's great when we can give him the glory for that. Thank you, Tim. And Kelly and Tim just celebrated their first wedding anniversary of last Sunday, so a year and a week. That's good. Going to invite our ushers to come to wait on us for the morning tithes and offerings. Thanks be to God for always blessed us with and done for us. Amen. And we give back to him just a portion of what he's allowed us to have. And thanks, support of all that he's doing in and among and through us today. God, thank you for your gifts. Thank you for your presence with us. Thank you for the truth of your word, the presence of your Holy Spirit, the fellowship of your church. And God, we're just grateful today, grateful for your mercy that's allowed us to wake up to see this day. And we do give uh, from grateful hearts for all you've done. We give it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be introducing a new song to you guys this morning, so it may not be too familiar, but I think that you will catch on quick. It certainly brings more joy, so um, we are excited about that. So you will learn this as we sing it for the first time this morning. Let's stand together.
on, huh? Gets you excited? Oh, we're his radiant bride. Man, that'll bring tears to your eyes to think of that. Thank you, Jesus.
prayer. But before we pray, I want to invite all of our VBS workers to just come forward and just stand right here in front of me. We want to pray over you this week as you touch the lives of children, many of them who don't have a relationship with Christ. The congregation may be seated. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so very much for your faithfulness. We thank you, Jesus, for being so good to us. There was never a minute in our lives or a second that you weren't there working in and through us, and we thank you for that. You have been faithful. And Lord, we go through trials in this life, just like Tim testified to us today. We go through trials, but Lord, we don't go through them alone. We go through them with you. You go through them with us. And we just thank you so much for your faithfulness. And Lord, in Luke 11, you said, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened for you. We come to you today as a church family, and we ask, we search, and we knock. And Father, we come to you, and we just ask that you help us. We just ask, Lord, for this uh, VBS week, Father, that your spirit will be at work in a powerful way. I thank you, Jesus, for these incredible servants that are standing here before me. I thank you, Lord, for their willingness to answer the call upon their lives to serve you in VBS. I thank you, Lord, ahead of time for the children that will come. I thank you for their parents that will bring them. And I pray, Jesus, that as these kids come, they will sense the love of Christ in this place as soon as they enter into the doors. I pray, Lord, that you will empower each and every worker to love those children, to teach those children, to laugh and to smile and to listen to them. I just pray, Father, that you will be at work in a powerful way and nothing will hinder that ministry. Father, I just pray, Father, for those that don't know you, that might even be here today, I pray, Jesus, that you will be at work in their lives, drawing them to yourself. I pray, Father, for those that are hurting, for those that are struggling, for those that might be dealing with um, depression or addictions or anything else, Lord, we pray for them. We just ask that you just meet them at their point of need and just draw them nearer to you. Wrap your arms around those that are grieving, Lord, and help them. Father, we just thank you. You know us so well. You love us. You want to us to have a wonderful and glorious life with you. And I just pray that you will show us, lead us, and guide us, Father. And we thank you so much for our church family. We thank you for that person that's to our right, that person that's to our left, those in front of us and those behind us. We thank you so much, Lord, that we can gather together as a family and worship you. What a privilege that is. And, Father, we also are thankful that we could pray for one another. What a privilege that is. 
We are brothers and sisters, Lord. We are not in there fighting this battle alone. We are fighting it together. And I thank you, Jesus, for that privilege. Just be with us now. We thank you, Lord. And Father, I thank you so much for bringing Dr. Askren and Judy here today. I thank you, Lord, for bringing them to our district. We thank you for bringing them to our church and our neighborhood. Lord, what a joy and a privilege it is to know them. I ask that you anoint Dr. Askren now as he comes and he brings the message. Open our ears and our eyes to whatever it is that you want us to learn today. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. You may be seated. Well, good morning, Woodland Park Church of the Nazarene. I am so glad to be here this morning. You know, you've almost got this sanctuary balanced out now. I think the first time I was here... We were all leaning to one side, and now I, you're pretty evenly spread. This is good. And uh, it is a privilege to be here. Uh, thanks for the comments on the melon shirt. Uh, my brother gave me this shirt. And, you know, I'm in a different church every Sunday, so typically I can get away with it. This is my summer attire for Sundays. And, uh, it, and I, I'll show you, only you. I don't show most congregations, but check this out. Uh, yeah. Uh -huh. Because, you know, if you're going to go with the melon shirt, you might as well get a little sock action going there, too. So, anyhow, I want you to know how much I appreciate you and how grateful I am for your ministry, not only on the district, but because we do live in Woodland Park in the community. And I'm just thankful for the heart of this church and their desire to see many come to know Jesus. I'm thankful for your leaders uh, Pastor Ben and Pastor Kelly, aren't you grateful for them? Um, as you know, or maybe you, maybe you don't know, but we're getting ready to start the transition process again. Uh, and uh, Pastor Ben and Kelly are here as transitional interim pastors, which means they're not going to be here forever. I've had a few people say, why don't we just keep them? I said, well, to be real honest with you, we signed a contract. And they said, contracts can be changed, contracts can be broken, but uh, not this one. And, uh, but we're grateful. They've come for a purpose, and their purpose has been to help us come together, to give us focus and direction, and to better prepare us for your new pastor. And so we'll be starting that process, I think it's the end of August, isn't it? August 23, we'll be meeting with the board for the first time, and, and I'm uh, looking forward to that. This weekend, I've been down in Colorado Springs. We've been going through training on the district for churches planting churches. And um, it's, it's just an opportunity for churches that believe they may be called to plant a church, to sponsor or to parent a church. We had about uh, 18 folks there, and one of the truths of that, of that teaching, there's two, there's these 15 characteristics that we want to make sure we learn basics we want to learn the very first one is the boss principle and the boss principle is that jesus is the lord of the church and uh, it's when we understand that that we're able to move a, move ahead and in the teaching all the teaching with churches planting churches uh we're reminded 
that Christ died for the church. And do we have individual salvation? Absolutely. Do we have corporate salvation as the church? Absolutely. He died for the church. That's all of us. And, we did, and he died for us together, united. I'm grateful for Pastor Ben and Pastor Kelly and for what they've been able to do for us. I'm also grace, grateful for Vacation Bible School. I, I grew up in a Christian home, but it was about eight or nine years old. We went to the Christian Missionary Alliance Church, and we lived out in the country. And my mom was, uh, well, she was probably about seven or eight months pregnant. And, and so they just sent us to the Vacation Bible School at the Baptist Church in Mullica Hill, New Jersey, which happens to be a spot on the road. Well, it was then at least, just a spot on the road. And we went to this little tiny Baptist Church in New Jersey, and it was there I said yes to Jesus at a vacation Bible school. So do not neglect the small things, but invest in those kids. And who knows, someday you might have some guy in a melon shirt telling about being at a vacation Bible school in Woodland Park, Colorado. Wouldn't that be phenomenal? I'm thrilled for that. Thank you for doing that Bible school for our community. Well, uh, Pastor uh, ben, I think it was mentioned, Judy and I will have been in Colorado one year this week. And uh, we have seen in this last year numerous, various expressions of the church. And uh, we have seen cross-cultural expressions of the church. I heard a dream yesterday of a church. They want to have a multicultural church. I said, in, in, uh, in Kansas? But they're in Garden City, Kansas, and they said they've got Somalis and Spanish-speaking and all these different ethnic groups. They said we have like 20 ethnic groups, and we just want to see a church come together. So that's the kind of church they want to start. But we've seen various expressions of the church. We've seen some cross-cultural expressions of the church. I have seen churches with multiple staff where there's all sorts of folks involved in different areas and different paid staff. I've seen churches that are all run by a single pastor with numerous volunteers. I have seen churches that are uh, express the heritage of the church. You know, they're the three hymns in an offering kind of church. And, and uh, they don't have hymnals, but I think they really wish they did. I have seen some of those contemporary churches, you know, where you got to have all the, all the gadgets and the technology. I have seen some expressions of the church that are uh, countryfied and some that are citified. But one thing that I've learned in all of my travels in Colorado, by the way, did you know there's 104,000 square miles in Colorado? They told me that when we moved here, and I believe them now. So, I, I, wow, it's a big state. But in all these expressions of the church, what I've seen over and over again is that, is that folks want to serve God, and, and they desire to worship Him in spirit and in truth. And, and I've recognized that God wants to use his church to make a difference in a variety of communities all over this state. That he wants to use you and me to make a difference in our communities. And gratefully, the word of God speaks to us about our calling as followers of Jesus Christ and the difference we can make in the world. One of the things that I learned personally and as a pastor is that until we really understand our relationship with God and allow Him to work in and through our lives, all that we can do for the kingdom is going to be pretty minimal. It's going to be a real challenge. And that's always been a problem for the church. 
In 2 Peter, Peter was writing to a group of believers who were living in a world that was quickly changing. Do you ever feel like things are changing in the world today? You know, I stopped, having, I stopped listening to the news and said I get this little news clip. It's right there on my, when I open my iPad and it tells me the highlights of the day. And I am just amazed if it's not COVID, it's politics or it's the economy or it's some tragedy or it's the Ukraine war. I mean, the world is changing quickly. Well, Paul writes to that world that is changing quickly and the church had many voices speaking into it and what they should do and how they were going to make a difference. It was sometimes confusing and it was sometimes misleading. Peter recognized that if the church was going to be a change agent in this world that God desires for his people, that we had to have a very clear understanding. And so in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9, here's what Peter says. Peter writes this to the church, to you and me. His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. That should be amen. Aren't you glad for that? His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. For by these He has granted to us His precious and magnificent promises in order that by them you might become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now, for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. My brothers and sisters in Christ, I want you to know this morning on the authority of the Word of God that you and I have everything we need in this day. Everything we need for tomorrow. Everything we need to be all that God would have us to be in Christ. It is ours in Him. And Peter starts by this with this bold claim. His divine power has given us everything. Everything's a big word. You see, I think some of us may live in the something mentality. He, he gives us some things, or he gives us a few things. He has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him. Everything we need just in everyday life. Everything we need if we're going to be the godly people he would have us to be. And Paul, Peter is so bold, he doesn't even give a lot of supporting uh, information to convince us. He just puts it out there. He puts it out there as a fact given that if you and I want to get, live a godly life, 
if we want to make a difference in the world around us, if we want to live out the faith that we sing about, the joy that we heard about today, if we want to live out the things that we talk about and we study about in Bible studies, those things that may not be in us, they will never be in us, but they're all in Him. It's all in Him. And the great challenge of your life and my life and the great challenge for the church is that we must remember that if we're going to ever make a difference in this world it's not going to come from us it's not going to come from our technology it won't come from the gifts and graces that god has given us on our own it won't come from our location it won't come from any of those things it all comes from him aw tozier says this to regain her lost power the church must see heaven open and have a transforming vision of God. The church has tried it all. Uh, before I became district superintendent in Colorado, I spent three and a half years as, as the DS in South Arkansas. There are many things about Colorado I am grateful for. Mountains. No humidity. Oh, that's right. That is an amen point. Uh, no chiggers. Now you have mountain lions, but I haven't seen one of those yet. I've experienced chiggers. <laughs> but in Arkansas, uh, digital signs were all the rage. I would go from church to church, and every time I went to church, the first thing the pastor or the board would want me to see is, you got to see our digital sign. It is so, we've been saving up for this digital sign. We just had our digital sign installed. And we'd go look at the sign, and there would be these cool graphics, and you could have a pithy quote, and the name of the pastor, and the time of the services, and they would sort of rotate through, and inevitably, the church would eventually tell me, this sign is going to bring them in. Digital signs. You know, the church has tried methods of growth and opportunities for impacting the community ever since I've been a kid. I remember when I was in high school, it was the I Found It campaign. Do you remember I Found It? First, you had to convince people they lost it. Then you had to determine what it was. I mean, it was a bit confusing. We have done, we've gone through evangelism explosion. And there's some things about evangelism explosion I really like. But we're always trying a new method. And we're seeker sensitive. And we're going to be small group. We're a small group church. And there's just 101 different ones. And we're all going to make a difference in our community. None of them are bad. And they all are part of what it takes to build the community. But the key ingredient that it's so easy for us to forget is that it is His divine power who gives us everything, everything. Just say that with me. Everything we need for life and godliness. All of life. The mundane our physical well-being, our relational well-being, all of life. He's given it all to us. And ultimately, the church corporate, that's us together, will never be any stronger than those individuals who make up that church. His divine power has given it all to us. Now, I personally like options, don't you? I mean, there's something about, I don't like a big menu, but I like at least a nice one-page menu. You know, it's a few things to choose from. And I'm thinking that if I were putting the Bible together, I would have put something in there 
that would have given me a few options. See, it's a pretty bold statement. His, his power has given us everything, and everything is such a big word. And I'd like it to be a little more defined. I think somewhere between the Gospels and Acts, you might be able to put it right, right after Acts. I think there should be a checklist for what it looks like to have a godly life. Wouldn't that be easier? I, I mean, we could put scripture reading, check, did that. Prayer, check, did that. Meditation, check, did that. Shared the good news, check, did that. Gave my tithe, check, did that. Went to church three out of four Sundays, check, did that. It would just be so easy. Every week I get, oh man, I got to work on those checks a little bit more and then I can be godly. That would be so much easier. It would just take the, the questions out of it. But when I'm reading Peter and when I read the Apostle Paul, I think we get it all wrong. Peter just makes it clear that we have nothing until we have the power of God at work in our lives. The fact is you can read your Bible every day and you can pray and you can do your meditations and you can give and you can come to church three out of four. We'd really like a four out of four. And I hear now they say two out of four. We should be happy. I'm not happy with that. Three out of four. You can all, all those things, but without God's power at work in your life, it's nothing. There is no godliness in your life and my life without him at work in us. Right before uh, junior high school, uh, my dad was in the Navy and our family, we moved from, uh, we've, well, we were in New Jersey. We spent a few months in Ohio. and Then we moved from, from uh, New Jersey to Whidbey Island, Washington. Whidbey Island is in Puget Sound. Uh, it's right there between, it's right there just out of Seattle, in the middle of the sound. Anyone else, anyone ever been to Whidbey Island? Yeah, I'll tell you what, it's a beautiful place. It's also damp. It's also sort of cold, cool. There's, there's not very many, re I mean, I remember when I was a kid on the 4th of July, and we would go up on the hill, we lived in, we lived in uh, military housing, and we'd go up on the hill to watch the fireworks, and all these families would be there, we'd all have our blankets, and our hot chocolate, and our coats and our gloves on the 4th of July. So we moved out there, and my mom was from Ohio, and she always insisted on having a garden, and if the, the epicenter of any garden are tomato plants. And so she determined she was going to grow tomatoes, and so she planted about five or six tomatoes that first year, and at the end of the summer, we had about six or eight green tomatoes still on the plants, and one red, knobby, hard tomato because you know what it's just hard to grow them on Whidbey Island so my mom asked around people at church and the neighbors I said oh no no what you're doing it all wrong if you want to grow good tomatoes on Whidbey Island you need to put a get an old black tire and you plant that tomato in the middle of that black tire. And the tire will collect heat and radiate, keep the ground warm and help the tomato grow, get warmer. And then you want to put mulch all around it to hold in the warmth and, and, and the nutrients on the plant. And then just because we don't have very many sunny days, you want to take bisqueen or plastic bags or something and build these little tents and put the tent over the tomato in the, at night and during the cloudy days and you'll get tomatoes now we ended up with about a dozen that year it was pretty good when judy and i first got married we moved to kansas city 
And Judy managed a high-rise for senior citizens and disabled. And it was an eight-story building, and there was a back a backyard that went up the hill, and they had established a community garden that you could sign up. So Judy and I decided to sign up for a row in the community garden. And uh, deep in my heart, I thought, I know how to grow tomatoes. You just put mulch and tints over them, and you can make them grow. I bought 12 tomato plants. So in Kansas City, I planted those tomato plants, and I put mulch all around them, and I watered them, and they grew. I mean, tomato plants grow in Kansas City, Missouri. They, I know that I'm a preacher, and I tend to sort of exaggerate at times, but this is no exaggeration. You can watch a tomato plant in Missouri in the morning, and it's bigger at night. I mean, they grow. And the tomatoes could get ripe overnight. And it just kept blossoming and blooming. And so Judy and I are giving tomatoes away to 120 people who live in our senior citizens complex. And we've got boxes of tomatoes. And so finally we got these little Italian ladies, a couple of them lived on the third floor. And they came down and they showed us how to can the tomatoes. You take a little sprig of basil and a little bit of salt. And you put the canner in the lid. Finally, you know, it sort of sucks on there. And uh, we, had, so we had canned tomatoes. The tomatoes were still coming in November. They're finally saying, now, to save the rest of your tomatoes, and I'm thinking, why do I want to save these tomatoes? To save the rest of the tomatoes, you wrap them in newspaper, and you put them in a box and keep them cool in your basement, and you'll have tomatoes. I know. It, it works in Kansas City, Missouri. That's all I can tell you. And so, we had more tomatoes. Now, you know what the big difference is between growing tomatoes on Whidbey Island and in Kansas City, Missouri is? It's the sun. It's the warmth of the sun. It's all that it brings to the soil and the, and the, and the plants. I don't, can't explain photosynthesis exactly. I'm just glad I was able to say it this morning. But that works too. And all that's because of what the sun does. It's warm there. And much like our lives, we try to grow our holiness with black tires and plastic bags and lots of mulch and everything we can try to connive to bring the warmth when what we really need is the sun. His divine power has granted to you and me everything we need for life and godliness. Peter tells us that we'll enjoy that power through the knowledge of him who has called us by his excellence and these extraordinary promises. And to help us understand the power that comes through him, Peter says that this power is at work in our knowledge of Jesus. Well, I tried to figure out, I thought, you know, it's I got to be able to come up with something clear to help you understand what I'm talking about, so I thought I'm going to go talk about the promises that are ours that are help us grow. I mean, I think that's a great idea. That would be cool. Wouldn't you love a list of promises? It goes right along with my checklist on godliness. So I started, I went to Google because Google is the authority on all things, spiritual and otherwise. And so I looked up Google promises of God. 31,000 promises is what one, 31,000 promises found in the Bible. 
I thought, well, this group is never going to sit here for 31,000 promises. There's got to be another one. So I checked the next, and then there was one, 8,000 promises for godly, uh, out of the Bible. 8,000 promises. And uh, that seems still too many. I finally got someone who would tell me there were like 500 prom- meaningful promises in, in the Bible. It just seemed like the more I kept working on this, the harder it was to try to narrow it down. So I thought maybe we can categorize them as promises for health, promises for life, promises for relationships, promises for the future. It's just nearly impossible to try to describe them all. And so I I, I kept working on it, and, and I realized that when you read this portion of Scripture from the very first words, His divine power has given us everything we need, there's just this undergirding expression of relationship. And that there's this relationship that 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 you and I can have with God. And that the promises really all focus down onto one person, even in this passage of Scripture, Jesus. That he becomes the the summation, the expression of the promises. And that living on this side of Pentecost, we recognize that the promise, the promise of his Holy Spirit is given to you and me. The Spirit of Jesus is given to me. That's the promise. So that we can live this life that's meaningful and fruitful. You know, we can't go to some school to learn the power of God. Or to gain the power of God. You don't get a degree in power of God. I think of Acts chapter 8. There was a guy by the name of Simon. Do you remember Simon the sorcerer? Do you know what his nickname was? His nickname was the great power. He, he, he loved that power. And this is so interesting to me. When I read it in the book of Acts chapter 8. It says this. That there were some common men and women. People just like you and me. Who were changed simply by the laying hand on of hands of the apostles when they received the Holy Spirit and their lives were so changed that a carnal guy by the name of Simon the Sorcerer recognized the power. You see, when we receive him, we're changed. We are changed in such a way that others can see it and recognize it. He saw that these people were made different. That they, that they prayed, that the, that the apostles laid hands on them. And Peter and John, all of a sudden, they, they, were, they were changed. And they had to power. And Simon wanted that power. So he goes to Peter and John. He says, what do I have to do to get this power? How, how can it, how can it be, be mine? And sort of like the Spirit was some sort of late-night infomercial, you know, that you can, in three easy payments, you too can receive the Spirit. And Peter just told him, you can't buy the gift of God. Your heart has to be right. Your heart's not right. Simon, if you want the power of God, you need to repent. Get your heart right. And then you can enjoy the power of God. You know what? That's the same thing for you and me. We get our heart right, and then we can enjoy the power of God. Our participation in the divine nature is not some sort of formula. It's not a purchase off late night TV. It's not a regimen, a checklist that we're going to observe. It is a relationship with God 
through His Holy Spirit so that we have knowledge of Him, so that we know Him, so that we might enjoy the moral expression of God in our lives, so that as we know Him, we begin to think more like Him and act more like Him and speak more like Him. We have a new desire to please Him and to understand Him. And we begin to understand that if our world is going to be different and our homes are going to be different and our building here with all of us in is going to be different and if our community is going to be different and if our families are going to be different it's not what we can do on our own but it's his power at work in us and we become the recipients of that power it requires the surrender of ourselves so that we might fully enjoy him Peter doesn't leave us with that. He doesn't leave us just simply escaping the corruption of the world by its lust. Instead, he encourages us to move on. So like when Paul says, you know, in Romans 8, 37, we're more than conquerors. Peter says there's so much more. You see, we do have a part to play in all of this. He tells us that this divine power is ours. And in, in my humanness, I want to try to figure that out and how I can do all these things to, to be a model Christian and, and express Christ in a different way. And then I find out that I can't do it on my own. But Peter gives us a bit of a primer for growing in grace. It's a guideline to determine how we're doing for those of us who need to know that. And we read through the scripture, and Peter says in verses 5 through 8, he says, we take this faith that we have that the power of God is at work in us through our relationship with him, and we begin to see evidences of that relationship. Look what he says in the scripture. He says this, he says, to his faith, to this faith, we add goodness. To goodness, we add knowledge to knowledge self-control to self-control we add perseverance to perseverance we add godliness to godliness we add kindness and to kindness we add brotherly love and then to that brotherly love we add god's love and the scripture tells us that when all of these are working together in our lives that we are not on our own power but by his power at work in us available through his spirit we discover that we are no longer barren I love that word, don't you? I've been in eastern Oregon. That's barren. I've been in some places in Colorado that are a bit barren. We no longer are empty. He says that we are no longer unfruitful. As a matter of fact, we discover that when these traits, when the character of God is growing in us, we are not unproductive in our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we can know lots of things. We can just keep gathering the information and hanging degrees and diplomas on the wall and putting books in the library. And our Bible study book stack can be about this high. But it's not simply knowing those things. It's our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, our relational knowledge of him. And Peter tells us that when we have this knowledge, this relational experience of the person of God, when we are living in fellowship in the Spirit, with the Spirit of God, these qualities here, this is not what I say, it's what the Bible says. It says that these qualities are ours and that they are increasing. Which means that you and I 
We have the opportunity through His Spirit at work in our lives to be more like Jesus today than we were yesterday. And that we have the opportunity to be more like Jesus tomorrow than we are today. That these traits are yours and they are growing in you. Changing us. Continually making us more like Him. And just to be sure we understand, Peter who uses great contrast throughout the passage, says this, and if they're not growing in you, it'd probably be better if I stopped the sermon at the last sentence, don't you think? He says that if they're not growing in us, then we're either blind, short-sighted, forgetful to the good grace of God in our lives and what he's done for us. That we have been cleansed from our sins as a testimony of the goodness of the grace and the power of God in this world. And Peter calls us to a decision all of us. Either we have the privilege to live in the power of God and discover these incredible traits that are growing in us and making a difference in the world around us, or we're simply fooling ourselves. Trying to create in our, on our own what only God can do in us by His grace, by the power of His Spirit. And what's so amazing to me in this scripture is that Peter is bold enough to give us a measurement for those of us who would really like a checklist. How's goodness going in your life? How about kindness? What about perseverance? Or brotherly love? Is godliness just something you put in your pocket when you walk in the church or do you carry it with you throughout the week making a difference in the world around you? They're pretty measurable. It's easy to see. It's easy to know. Are we counting on our own power? Or are we counting on his power? And Peter wanted that early church to know, and I believe he wants us to know, that if we're going to make a difference in this world, it's going to require his power at work. Our power will never make a bit of difference. But with His power in us, we can make a difference in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in the places where we work. We can even make a difference in this local church. But it's all about His power and not ours. So in the same way that Peter brings those folks to a point of decision, I think the same decision is ours. And my question for you and for me this morning is just simply this. Do you see the evidences of the power of God at work in your life? You can 
read the list again if you've forgotten them. Or even when you see him, do you see him? You say, yes, I see. Oh, I need to work on kindness, but I'm just going to try harder. And I'm going to grip my teeth tomorrow, and I'm going to smile at that neighbor. If that's you this morning, that's me. It's time for us to say, not my will, but yours be done. It's time for us to say again, Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. That we, we might live in a power that will change the world. His divine power has granted to you and me for your life and my life so that his godliness would be seen and known to the world around us. May his power be at work in your life and in this church. Amen? Let's pray. Father, Thank you for your presence with us this morning. Thank you for your watch care over us. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege we have simply to surrender our power so that we might be more like Jesus. And I thank you for these, my brothers and sisters. And I just pray right now that your Holy Spirit would speak into each of our lives as to whether or not we're living in your power or in our power. And I'm just going to wonder this morning if there's anyone here who would say, Pastor Virgil, would you pray for me that I might live in his power there are some things in my life some areas in my life where i'm doing it on my own and i want to give it to him would you pray for me if that's you this morning just simply raise your hand and put it back down thank you thank you thank you thank you anyone else thank you anyone else thank you any others but we want his power at work in us we're tired of trying to thank you we're tired of trying to do it on our own. Oh, you see those hands, and you know those hearts. I pray, Lord, that uh, your Holy Spirit would meet them at their point of need this day. That God, in those places where they're striving on their own, that they would have that sense of release that comes when we give it all to you. I'm going to take one more step here. I'm not sure, but let me just ask you, is there anyone here today who would just simply, simply say, Pastor Virgil, yeah, I would, I'd like you to pray for me, but I'd really like to spend some time with God right now. I just want you to know that, that we've got these altars here. You know what their purpose is? There's just a physical place to meet with God. And I just wonder if there's anyone here this morning who would just like to come and just kneel in prayer and spend some time with the Lord. I want to invite you to do so. Seek after Him. 
Give him the privilege to give you his power, his life change. Your surrender would be recognizing and seen as he works in and through you. Is there, I just want to invite you to come. Tired of working on your power, you're ready for his. Anyone else? We have several of our ladies who have come up. And I wonder if there could just be some ladies who would just come alongside them, not to pry or interrogate them. Just put a hand on their shoulders so that they know that they're praying and that there's someone praying with them. Thank you. Thank you, ladies. I appreciate that. Got a few more over here. Aren't you grateful for his presence at work in this place? Is there anyone else who'd like to come? Pastor, I just need to surrender so that I might know his power. I want to invite you to do that this morning.
stand in prayer. You guys join me. Lord, we are grateful for this news, this good news that we sang about, of what, what this time, this worship time represents, of, of being reflecting of, of what you did on the cross for us those years ago, and what that means for us today. It's, it's an amazing truth. It's an amazing truth that we get to embrace live from out of today. I pray that you go with us this week. Give us the strength and the power to walk in the ways that you would have us walk and be the kind of people that your followers are meant to be. I thank you for this truth that we've been listening to about this morning from Dr. Askren. And I pray that you would um, plant that seed in us as we go this week. Knowing that truth this week, you are dismissed. Precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on, let me stand. I am tired. Just Lord.